Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for Newcastle. The way he brought that down was fabulous. Catanoa. After all that was made of England's 55-year wait for a major tournament trophy, it was Italy who proved to be the drought breakers, ending their 53-year wait for a European Championships crown. Yes, welcome back to the Shooting Czars podcast with me, Stuart Marshall, and the band is officially back together. Bryce Conway and Alex Grant join me from their relevant locations. Grant is back in quarantine in Pohang. But Bryce is down in South Beach in Perth. Boys, it's been a while. I think it's been nearly two weeks since we last spoke. How are we all? Bryce, how are you? I'm good, mate. Um, definitely struggled a bit at work yesterday after getting up at three o'clock. But no, it was, uh, it was a calm way to watch the final. But yeah, just yeah, a bit knackered, I'd say. A bit knackered. Emotionally drained. That's how I felt after, <laughs> after yesterday. Granty, I'm going to throw it to you now, mate. How are you going? You know, England's uh, I'm failure. How did that? How did that sit with you? Sprightly after that cracking intro from you, top stuff, mate. I know before the pod, you said you, you said you were going to prepare one, but that was immense, mate. Very Fantastic. Cool. That was just too easy. So, um, well, I'm okay. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, I'm all right. A bit tired, but bit, bit tired. Lying in bed for those that are watching the YouTube uh, version of this podcast. He's Got his hands on his head, up against the wall. You're back in quarantine before you get into the game, Alex. You've recently, we were just talking before we started recording. The Asian Champions League duties with Pohang are over. And that's why the listeners haven't been able to hear from you. But now you're back in your home city and you are quarantining. Yeah, i got one week at the clubhouse here in Pohang. And then we've got one week of monitoring from home or... I think I can kind of go out and get to the shops and whatnot and go grab a coffee in that week. So, yeah, a few more days of freedom after four weeks of just oh, confinement. Punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can call it that if you want. Jail time for those that have maybe keep, uh, been <laughs> keeping up with uh, what we've been talking about. But um, I guess this pod, we're going to just do a quick deep dive into... England's failure. There's only one way to put it, boys. Their 55-year wait, as I mentioned, for a major tournament trophy goes on. The World Cup heroes of 1966 remain the only heroes from a football context in England. Oh, where do we start? I mean, how, how do we feel? I don't really know where to start. I mean, we could try and analyse the whole game, but maybe just sum up how we're all feeling. I mean, I was feeling flat yesterday. It was, like you say, Bryce, you got up at 3am to watch this and we rode our luck probably throughout the 120 minutes and fair play to Italy. They were by far the better team, weren't they? Um, but yeah, just a, a sad ending given the situation, playing at Wembley Stadium and then to bow out on penalties like that. Um, just a bit shit, isn't it? Well, I just think it was, I think it was just disappointing from the moment Shaw scored. You just thought, oh, wow, they're going to do this. This is their time and it's all lining up together. A great, fairy tale story for Luke Shaw as well coming back from injury and being a bit of a much maligned player in the past few years I'd say as well receiving criticism from his manager Mourinho when he was at United just to get to this point to score in a Euro final I thought it was awesome I was pumped for him but just from that moment it seemed like 
the tactic from Southgate was to invite the pressure on from Italy and sit back and it just it really didn't work in Italy I mean they, they defended fantastically up until uh, uh, Bonucci's uh, equalizer what was the 70 74th minute but yeah kind of I'll check go on I kind of you know conceded the advantage there and didn't mm. keep attacking and it was just it was all Italy pretty much from that point on. I think it was about 70% possession they had in the second half, Italy. So, yeah, it was just a dominant Italy performance in the end. And I yeah. think they, they did deserve to win it. Yeah, so Leonardo Bonucci scored in the 67th minute. But it's fair to say, especially that early stage of the second half, yeah. oh, they were all over England, right? Like, mm. I mean, England had the best first 20 minutes. You know, the crowd were lively. The... Um, Italy, you know, probably was struggling to contain the crowd. And then obviously the early goal would just like ramp things up to 100 for, for Mental, England. Yeah. Um, and I think just the atmosphere and whatnot was overawing Italy. And that was like spurring England on. But Italy like completely weathered that storm. And then like yeah. from that point, like, uh, midway through this first half, they it was their game really, I think. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you reckon, Alex? I mean... Sum up your emotions and sort of how, how you saw the game firstly. Um, yeah, before we maybe dissect it anymore. Yeah, I think one thing I thought straight away, as soon as Shaw scored, it could shoot us in the foot that. Because as soon as you score first, you're kind of giving, especially in a big game like that, you're giving the opposition a lot of time to get back into the game. And remember then, Italy have to score to get back into the game. So they're the ones who are going to be pushing for it. And I think England kind of approached. I think the first half, they actually played okay. And you saw Harry Kane drop deep, got on the ball. Um, England created a few chances. Uh, I know Italy responded as well and had a bit of chunk of possession in the first half as well. But, I think England weathered the storm pretty well in the first half. I think probably half-time, though, was the perfect opportunity for Southgate to maybe change the formation to four at the back and go slightly more attacking and push for the second goal. And I think he he didn't change it until he brought Saka on, and I don't think that was until around the 70th minute mark when he went to four at the back. And, yeah, I just think England... They just had a bit of a negative approach. Harry Kane in the second half didn't really press much. You saw the Italians, they just went for it. They pressed at every opportunity, made Pickford play long balls. Benucci and Chiellini, or whatever his name is, hit the ball <laughs> up at the back. What's his name? He's Chiellini. Chiellini. <laughs> just two world class centre backs. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they bossed it, the pair of them. They were the probably the two best players on the pitch. And uh, what's his name? Um, the little Virginia? man. Berardi. Uh, Insigne? No, come on, Chiesa? Lance. Chiesa yeah, was the best. Chiesa, the left winger. Sure. He was amazing. He was yeah. a beast, yeah. And Declan Rice were the two best players on the yeah. pitch. I thought Declan Rice was very good at breaking up play because the Italians were pressing really high. And look at me, I've, I've adopted this. Like, oh, what hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Italians were pressing yeah. tonight, and Rice seemed the only England player to actually try and break through that press by taking mm. Italian 
players on and looking to play forward, where it was a lot of the other players were playing quite negatively and going back. And like I said, it was always seemed to be going back to Pitford and the ball was getting pumped long and then the Italians were on the attack again. So, yeah, I think the substitutions were a bit late as well from Southgate's point of view. I think he said it publicly that he'll take the blame for, for everything that happened. The penalties were poor. Yeah, overall, I think it was a disappointing performance from England. But I don't think they've set the tournament alight as what everyone's made out. I think mm. they've grinded out and got results. I agree. Pro- professionally mm, and yeah. well, methodically. I don't think they've played amazing football. I think they've played okay football throughout the tournament and they've just got the results and got over the line. And I think the Italians were just too big a, a test for them. And also, I think if England maybe had been on the other side of the draw, they may have also struggled to to get through to the final. Yes, they managed it in like a really like a good tournament style of football, getting yeah. through, keeping clean sheets, managing players. Um, yeah, I think you're right. There was never. I mean, the Ukraine game was. I mean, they. I think they did set a lot, but it, again, opposition not exactly the top echelon there. So it was like good performance, scored freely, but it wasn't setting it a lot. I, I completely agree. But then Italy, some of Italy's performances were like, wow, throughout the tournament. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, no, I mean, that's probably fair. That's the thing with this team. This is a side note, something I've been thinking about. But it's funny, just like, just the media attention this team gets is like, no, nah, no other sport and any other team. Like, honestly, if England are doing well in a major tournament, there is nothing like it from a sporting context in the world. Um, and it's funny just before we move on it's funny in, in countries like Australia you know where Australia uh, football is a, a maligned sport amongst lots of people and you know everybody hates it and you know play a real sport and all that that lame yeah. shit anyway but then it's like as soon as England are doing well or there's like a major football story going on it's yeah. like the whole country gets behind it and anyway side yeah. note, I just needed to get that off my chest no, anyway, I feel that. I feel that for sure. <laughs> so it's better. Yeah, go on. Hey, I tell you what, I didn't know I had so many Italian uh, followers on Instagram. Oh yeah. People who I was, Jesus. What are they saying? No, they just all come out the cracks, don't they? When when Italy had done. Oh right, yeah, yeah, it's celebrating. Just, it's disappointing. Yeah, it it's annoying as well the fact that I think England. As a nation, I think they're so good when it comes to football and celebrating the England team, even though they've not brought so much success. I remember growing up that whenever there was a World Cup or Europe, there was always such like big euphoria and mm. excitement surrounding the tournament, whether it be in shops and schools and workplaces around the country. It's just everyone gets up for it, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I feel like Australia slightly lacks, lags behind in that department. I'm looking at videos on social media of like hundreds of Italian fans. Was it in Adelaide or Melbourne or wherever? Yeah, it was in Melbourne. I saw a tweet and someone put that it's just such a shame that all these football fans who have watched the Euros don't follow the A-League, you know? Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy the game. Yeah. In Australia, clearly but they don't want to go and support the local team. And I bet half of them have never even been to Italy, you know, let alone had a pizza or pasta. <laughs> yeah. 
no, no, I, I completely agree with you. And that's what I've been thinking. It's like you see, but even from the media perspective, it's like yes. England, Italy win. When Italy won the trophy, you had in Australia, you had Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, ABC, all the big news networks running breaking news uh, straps and breaking news stories and cutting to reporters in the crowd. It's like Australia's not even in the story. Yet yeah. it's such a big deal, but it's just like that doesn't translate to the, the domestic game. And then it's still, for whatever reason, like it has this uh, perception within the culture in Australia that soccer's a shit game because there's AFL and NRL and cricket, I don't know, whatever else. But you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's, yeah. it's almost like, no, don't be putting the story on TV there. Like, don't be celebrating the Euros the way you are if you're not going to get behind the, the actual game. But anyway, it's just something that I, yeah, I think it's a really me good off. point, Stu, because it, I get annoyed by it too, but then it's you kind of look at the product of the A-League and when you're comparing that to the Serie A, La Liga and English Premier League, you just go, why would I why would I watch it? And I think that's, I think I've struggled with that at times as a football fan, yeah. but I think it's for people that, you know, are trying to get into the sport and watch a national team, see Euros or World Cup and go, oh my God, how good is this? Because yeah. it's the, the pinnacle of world football. And then, then they go to A League and they're like, "Oh, that was a bit disappointing." Like just seeing that, and then if they want to watch AFL, it's the best because it's only played in Australia. They go, "This is the best competition in the world." I'm watching the best players in the world every week at this mm-hmm. sport. So I think it's it's really tough as a product to try and get people involved. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, that's probably it. But anyway, that's a uh, it's not really finest though, huh? snobbery at its finest <laughs> yeah it's just it's funny how it, it happens in australia anyway um but anyway yeah i guess looking at the game england what they had two or live scores telling me they had one shot on target four shots off target one blocked shot 38 percent possession italy had six shots on target, nine shots off target and five blocked shots with 62 percent possession so um Italy were the better team. As you mentioned, Alex, the, the substitutions, I'm just going to have a look now. Wherever it is. Oh, it doesn't have, oh no, it does have the time. So, yeah, Kieran Trippier came on for Bukayo Sucker in the 70th minute. And Bukayo, oh, no, Bukayo Sucker came oh, off for yeah. Kieran Trippier. Um, what did we think of that? Brycey? Uh, look, I think... What did you make of the substitutions then? So, you got Sucker on for Trippier... Henderson on for Rice. I mean, Alex, you said that Rice was the best player. Did you, did you think that was fair? I mean, I didn't mind that one because Rice was maybe tiring and looked like he'd run his race, but yeah, some other was, people he, disagree. Yeah. Of effort in, but I thought Jordan Henderson looked miles off it. Yeah. I thought he was sloppy on the ball. I thought every time that there was a 50-50 duel and the ball bounced down into kind of open space, he was just a yard off it. He just didn't look like he was going to get to the ball. You know, he, he just wasn't at his best, Jordan Henderson, as we know he can be, which mm. was a bit disappointing. The, the Saka one, I didn't mind the Saka one because I think he's a very good player and he gets on the ball, he's positive, and that's when he changed the formation from five to four at the back. But I think he could have done that earlier, definitely, to try and control more possession. Because England had a, a little bit of a maybe a 10-minute spell in the second half, um, probably midway through, where they controlled the ball again. But, yeah. And put a bit of... I think it was when that Chiesa got injured. Yeah. That's kind of what they hit Literally. the 
yeah, they hit the front foot for 10 minutes, but the Italians clawed it back. Yeah. It was interesting with, with Chiesa, you didn't know if he was actually injured or not. Yeah, I know. Definitely liked hitting the deck. I know, um, but he actually was. I know, but it didn't, like, when you watch the replay, I was expecting to see, like, a clear sprain or something with that kind. I didn't see it, and I was like, uh-huh. mate, get back on the pitch. Like, yeah. Euro's final, but he was definitely the biggest oh, threat. He was so classic, good. like, just give me the ball. I'm going to try to do something with it kind mm. of players. Didn't try to bring in too many other players on the way. He just kind of ran the ball, but he was he was unreal, and I think he was their best player, undoubtedly. Mm. But he seems to be a bit of a petulant child at times as uh-huh. well. And just seeing how the Italian players communicate with Mancini, just like they're having a full-on, like it seems like an argument every time on the sidelines whenever they're discussing shape or where you should be. And then you get, in contrast, whenever South gets on the players, they're just like, yep, yep, understood. And the other players, like, Italian players are arguing, hands going everywhere. <laughs> it seems like they're in heated discussion. Super emotive. Kind of really interesting. Yeah, but I think Saka was a, a smart smart move. I mean, they started with the, the three centre-backs and then a couple of wing-backs there. I thought they just they weren't able to overlap or really get involved in the game too much besides you know Luke Shaw's, obviously, with his opener. Mm. Um, I think it might have been Chiesa not tracking back or... Uh, Di Lorenzo there from Napoli. He, he he was probably Italy's weakest link there at right back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just disappointing that I think the subs were made too late. I think Grealish should have come on for Mount way earlier. Way earlier. Try and give them something. Try change it up. They're obviously on the back foot, so I think he was too conservative there um, mm-hmm. with his approach. And then all those subs at the end, like with like a minute or two to go in the Euros and you know you're taking a pen. Mm. I don't know about you, Granty, but not having kicked a ball and then mm. to come on with after two minutes and then kick probably the most important kick of your career, I found that really baffling at the start. And I know they discuss, they have, you know, discussions about what their plan is to penalty shootouts, but I still think blokes that are that young to go into that uh, moment was really i struggled to see a lot of logic in that move when i first saw it yeah yep. what do you yeah alex let's throw to you being the player what did you think have you seen that before does it make sense i mean are these you know i'd get the feeling that go okay, in training maybe training's a whole different ball game so who can take the best penalties in training maybe doesn't mean who can take the best penalty in the european championships final but yeah how does that sit with you being thrust into a final like that with one minute to go to take a penalty when you're realistically probably cold. I mean, how many touches of the ball did Rashford and Sancho have prior to kicking their penalty kick? But yeah, run us through your thoughts when that was all happening. I think you see managers do it with, I remember, who was it? Tim Krul. Was Van Hal yeah, did right. it with Krul yeah. in the World yeah. Cup in 2014. He subbed Jasper Sillison for the shootout, yeah. Kind of thing. But, yeah, I kind of agree. If I, I wouldn't personally, if I was a manager, I would. He's unstable. I'm back. Am I okay? Oh, there we go. Start again. Go. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. I'm on hot spot, Bryce. It's not having <laughs> any Wi-Fi here at the so it's uh, relying on three bars. Go, go, go. This podcast. <laughs> anyway, yeah, if I was a manager, I don't think I'd I'd personally do it. I think it is a risk, a big risk to take. Like you said, they're not fret, they're not um warm warmed up in a sense. 
there's not had much involvement in the game. And I find whenever I come on off the bench, it is hard to get going. It really is because you've warmed up before the game. You've warmed up for 15 minutes in the first half. Then you have a break at halftime, might have a little kick on the pitch. Then the second half, maybe after five, ten minutes, you warm up. And generally, you stay warm, warming up for the whole half. And yeah. they've had to go through all of that, then into extra time. And then come on. And you do, you feel really leggy and because you've warmed up, you've stopped, you've started. Yeah, and it's it a continuous cycle like this. And you just feel horrible. Mm. And it does take five or ten minutes, I think, to get going again when you're playing. So these guys have come on at pretty much no time left on the clock. Feeling mm. average at best, I'd say. Nervous. Rashford, yeah, yeah, nervous. go on. Because you've still got to see the game out for yeah. two minutes. Marcus Rashford's been right back. So yeah. it was a little bizarre in that sense. But they'd obviously had that plan before the game and Southgate, yeah. Southgate believed in it. But I think the penalties, it, look, it's pressure that I've never experienced, probably never will. Mm. Biggest stage in the world. Three young lads stepping up to take a penalty for the country to win the Euros. I can't imagine what that feels like, but mm. if I analyse yeah. the penalties themselves, I thought they were poor penalties. Rashford's yeah. to, miss it, to miss the target when he sent the kick the wrong way was very poor. But look, fair play for him to stepping up and taking one. But all three of them are great players as well. It just, yeah, it's, think, yeah, yeah, go I on, agree with you, Granty. There, I think it's it takes such courage to be like, yeah, well, I'll take one in that moment. But I just found it strange to be even like a confidence point of view, especially from probably Sancho, who we haven't seen a lot of in this tournament. Rashford either, we haven't seen a whole lot of either. Your coach hasn't showed confidence in you to start you or play a lot of minutes in a tournament. But then you should have the confidence internally to take a match-deciding penalty. And I just think that's kind of bizarre. Like my head would be kind of shot, like being after looking at my tournament, being like, I've done sweet nothing this tournament, yet he's showing confidence in me now in this moment. It's like, well, I'd just be so confused. I don't think, I think it'd be quite tough mentally for them to be able to switch on like that and be like, yeah, yeah, this is my moment. I'm confident I can do this considering their tournament. And I just think their penalty showed the lack of confidence there because was it Sancho's that was just saved at that perfect height for a goalkeeper yeah. where, and it wasn't nowhere near the corner of the goals. It was quite like, quite central to it as well so it was by all means like great guess by Donald Rumor and good save but in terms of how keepers want to save a pen it was pretty like how you'd expect and then Rashford did so well to send the keeper the other way hit the post so that was just disappointing and then Saka's obviously saved as well and it was just so sad like that's what they'll remember from that tournament because they're such amazing young players um and they will have such a big future for England 100% and on the world stage in football and it was just it's such a disappointing end that it was those guys that ultimately cost them uh, on the pitch when the penalty shootouts came around because they probably didn't deserve to to have that on their shoulders. Yeah, I think the argument has been how, were those players um, too young? I mean, Rashford's by no stretch a young player anymore. He's played over no, 200 right. games for United. Yeah. He's been playing since he was 18. Like, he's, not, he's not in that category. Saka... Yeah. Yes, Sancho, yes, from an England point of view as well, I'd probably say. Um, 
It was their both of their first major tournament with the England team. So it's like, yeah, they're young. Um, and they're younger than Rashford. I, I don't know. I mean, talk about like, you know, it's like, okay, so why are the arguments like why didn't Grealish and yeah, did you see uh, what he said? Yeah, I see on Twitter yeah. he rebutted back saying he wanted to take one, but it, it was yeah. Southgate who picked the yeah. players. So clearly they've practiced their penalties, as they mentioned, in training. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe in training those five, Harry Kane, obviously, but like the, those final three um, are penalty takers, you know, and are the best penalty takers. But, I mean, Rashford has been taking penalties for United for quite a while, so yep. he is a penalty taker. Harry Maguire was obviously interesting, but he scored, so it doesn't matter. Harry Kane, it, loved yeah. that. <laughs> but I think the three that missed, like Rashford is a penalty taker and has been taking yeah. penalties for quite a while throughout his career. Sancho takes penalties for Dortmund. So that's not really in question either. He has taken penalties before. But Saka, what is his first yeah. penalty ever in professional sport? And <laughs> and he was fifth, like the all yeah, important decisive fifth. one. But maybe let's talk about this like experiencing. Would there be less hate? Well, clearly, there would be less hate, do you think, on the team, Alex, maybe if Sterling and Grealish stepped up and missed? Because they're the experienced players? I know it's a hypothetical, but I'm just, you know, wondering maybe whether that's that's the big conundrum. Who knows, too? Yeah. Who knows? Well, yeah, it's probably not. <laughs> but I think it, it is interesting. And it's like yeah. That's the, the beauty slash horror with penalty shootouts and why it's so unique. You can be the best penalty taker in the world. You can be the best player in the world and you can still cook it like Roberto Baggio did for Italy. Yeah. Like absolutely skied at the time. He was one of the best players in the world. Italy's darling at the time. So it's like, mm. I think there's been and obviously Harry, unfair. Harry Sorry, Kane did miss the penalty in the semis, did he not? Yeah. Well, he so, got so. saved and then, yeah, slotted in the but rebound. Like, didn't, you know, yeah, I, I mean, know what you mean. Yeah, yeah that was, if that was a penalty shootout, it would wouldn't have gone in. Down and, yeah. So it, it's just such an interesting one. And that's why like penalty shootouts are so unique and just they're bloody horrible. Uh, as mm. soon as it went to extra time, you could tell people teams were not going for the for the win there, and it's just yeah, you just knew it was kind of inevitable. We had that lingering feeling of oh no, penalties, here we go. <laughs> um, and when Harry Maguire celebrated like that, he gave it loads. I was like, I just got nervous from that point. I was like, oh no, I think he's given it too much. But fantastic penalty from him. But yeah, it's it's brutal. Penalties are brutal, and it's an awful way to end a tournament. It's also like. This might sound weird, but you know, there's always calls for oh, we got to do away with the shootout. Well, surely there's got to be a better way to end a match. Like, I completely disagree because although it's brutal and it is, it's brutal for England. It's also like, like, so interesting how so dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Like, the drama yeah. is like yeah. nothing like anything else yeah. in the game, and it is like a massive test of nerves. And it's a very basic skill, right? How many times do players kick a ball a certain length? And obviously scoring is a different kettle of fish, but it's like, it's 12 yards. It's really not that far. It's the simplicity of a penalty kick without anyone watching is like you hit them 10 out of 10 times. But it's just like, it's amazing what 60,000 people and... And context. (laughs) Context and how that, like, you know, the emotion behind these shootouts... um, Like generate these storylines, so yeah, I don't know. Oh. It's, a, it's one of those ones you, you say that and you go, you step up a training. Like, oh, this is easy. Mm. And every time I've stepped up for a pen in the game, you're just like, geez, this is a bit further away than I thought. Mm. Jesus, keepers decently sized. I feel like the goal's a bit smaller. It's just 
it's amazing what it does to your mind a penalty mm. shootout it's just it is one of the most unique parts of the game i feel and the drama and storylines that can be grabbed from it are just endless but yeah wild it was and, wild and, and the celebration yeah but also the also, cold. Yeah. <laughs> but also the way that like the pendulum swings in the shootout yeah, and alex i'll absolutely. come to you now it's like okay england harry kane scores Italy missed their first pen. Marcus Rashford's stepping up, you know, and it's just like, and then he misses. And then Sancho misses. But then Jorginho steps up to win win the game, and he fucking misses. Yeah. What were you thinking then, team. Alex? What were you thinking then? And Saka's walking up, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, what is going on here? realize that if Jorginho missed or scored, Italy would have won. Yeah, you, I didn't so, realize either. All right. I'd kind of lost count of who was what. I know yeah. what England have missed. <laughs> I still thought England had another one up the sleeve to respond to if Jorginho scored. Right. So I was just in my head. I was there was so much emotion. I just didn't know really what who was taking what. Have you ever been involved in a game with a shootout or not? Uh, not the one that I played, and I, I think the one that springs to mind is the Adelaide. Yeah. Glory game. Ridiculous. It went to. Like twenty penalties or something. I just did this game in A League history. <laughs> that game was wild, by the way. It was nuts. <laughs> we got to the keepers and Reddy scored. I oh, know that game was nuts. Yeah, okay, but you've never played in one, though. No, I don't think I have. Would you take a penalty? Yeah, for sure. Where would you go? I'm not giving that away. The name. Yeah. Um, Bryce, maybe yeah. I just want to talk about the cultural significance of England's mm. what England's win would have done, right? Because this is also an interesting side of it. England, this is the thing with England, like 55 years, as I said, since I've won a major tournament. Like, it's this tournament kind of felt like a breakaway from the norm of like England letting the country down. And it's funny yeah. how the England and Mount out gone, gone out on penalties and lost. Like, so it's sort of like in line with how England have performed in, you know, since, I don't know, since Bobby Robson was manager in 86 and they bowed out to the hand of God. I kind of feel like maybe since that time, major tournaments have been a struggle for England because it's kind of always felt like it never went our way. Then Frank Lampard's disallowed goal, the ghost goal in 2010. And just like these sorts of things. But this tournament kind of had this different feel or at least everybody was saying that this England team under Southgate maybe had a different mindset and where, you know, they got to a final, which no other team had done before. So that's definitely breaking away from the norm, but it yeah. kind of has ended how every other tournament ended very sad on pens, but maybe what do you like the, I think the cultural significance of England winning would have like completely changed the psyche, which is like of English fans in terms of maybe becoming winners and like actually having that kind of experience. So I think the way that they lost is so brutal in that sense because it's, it hasn't yet do you know what yeah. i mean and do you, yeah, do you have any I comments do on that i just think i do think there's i don't want to speak from an england fan perspective but i don't want to talk on that behalf but like just in terms of i think getting to a final and the way they did and beating germany i think they've taken another step obviously there's the tangible next step of going from a semi-final to a final after they made the world cup semi-final but I just think getting to a final, I don't think they've let anyone down, if I'm honest. Mm. Like I think they're making a final with a 
relatively young squad that they have, I think I think England fans now have more hope than ever for yeah. their team to achieve something. Like this team's gonna be together for the next couple of years and at Qatar they could they're gonna do bits. I think they're gonna be right up there. I think they'll definitely make the semi final of the World Cup at least. I think with if they keep developing and keep going on the path that they're on because they showed so much in this tournament. Mm. They showed resolve, they showed character. You know, they went to extra time and then they got a win, although controversial. It was still they grounded out. Um, and just, I know, to lose on penalty shootouts is the most brutal way to lose. But I still think there's so many positive to take, to take away from an England fan and England football point of view um, that they should take with them rather than focusing on, shit, we lost a penalty shootout to lose the final. Italy are a very good side, I thought. Um, so I don't think they should. there should be any failure talks i think it should be more based on the positives but that's easy to say because i don't have much skin in the game there but yeah i i think there's been so many positives to take from it from an england fan point of view and it's been i don't know somewhat annoying seeing the response from a lot of people in terms of bashing england fans for the behavior like obviously the violence stuff we saw at wembley and stuff was awful never condone that but just to say like typical english fans and stuff i was kind of like every european country where football is and football is big this happens pretty much at a big tournament and a big game champions mm. league nights italian ultras you got eastern europe there's ultras and Russia, things like that so it was a yeah. bit everyone was just on got on the bandwagon of anti-england and it was kind of like just a an unoriginal opinion and thought and i thought it was yeah i didn't like it was weird seeing it and a bit it is an easy one to jump on the bandwagon for mm. What do you think, Alex? That's interesting because the, the fans' stories, you know, they've trashed London. Like, what was it? F- within five miles of Wembley Stadium, all pubs were made to shut at kickoff or some shit like that. Like, Oh, wow. You know, like, it's just the, the amount of carnage that was going on was, like, awful. And there's fights. English fans are fighting and then rushing the gates at Wembley and all that. But, yeah, how does that, What do you think about all that, Alex? Like, seeing fans do that... How do you feel about the, how English fans are towards the sport and that whole saga? Oh, look, they're passionate, and unfortunately, do you? But how do you feel when you see people of your your kind doing that? Um, look, like Brian said, I don't condone violence or anything like that, and I think that's probably taking it to extreme levels that. When blokes have had six, seven, eight, nine pints, you know, there's always going to be the one who takes things too far and tempers flare, especially when the result maybe hasn't gone your way. And people take their anger out on other people generally. And that's the world we live in, unfortunately. And I think it happens all over the world in every sport. Um, so, I mean, it is. I think the the passion that England fans have is like nowhere else in the world. Yeah, and it's great that everyone rallies behind the team. It always ends in the same disappointment, like we've touched on. But it it makes me proud to see how much it means to people, mm. uh, and it's something you you want to be a part of. I think. Mm. But yeah, I, and I think because of that, also, I think that's probably one reason, Bryce, that a lot of people jump on the anti England bandwagon. There is a bit. It seemed of, almost fashionable, didn't it? Yeah, there, there is a bit of 
I think jealousy and people do envy slightly the the support that England get for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's a it's a bigger deep seated issue that I don't I don't think we can get into too much but in terms of the violence and what happened there. But yeah, I just thought people's reaction to it was quite interesting and became a bit of a became fashionable to bag on bag on the fans and obviously there was a lot of horrible stuff that happened but yeah but it was pretty i just i would note the positive thing seeing the fans in the crowd young george celebrating yeah royals there i just thought that was so great he was yeah. he was buzzing like looking at his dad laughing like holy shit like <laughs> sure scored i just thought that was such a nice moment to see and him in his little suit i just thought it was so good that was so nice to see yeah, and yeah. that's passion that's yeah. passion and that's like he'll never forget that and He'll obviously he'll probably be a Villa fan like his dad, so he won't get too many trophies in the cabinet. But <laughs> I just think that that was like that was such a nice thing and such a contrast to all the noise we heard on Twitter and all that awful footage that we discussed during the game of fans outside the ground and stuff. So no, that that was so cool to see, and that's passion in the right way. Yeah, I I think it's funny with this whole fan thing. It's like you know, Gareth Southgate's been built up this whole tournament. You know, so yeah. like going on this classy. Tip, I suppose. Statesman, like, yeah. yeah, he says he's been built up as his classy and he's brought the class back to the English uh, national team and you know they, yeah. they they got good dignity and all that. And then it's just like you look outside the stadium and there's just fans beating each other up, smashing yeah. bottles on the ground and yeah. doing all, <laughs> all this shit. So contrasting. I, I thought Prince William's reaction was also funny, but like, he was giving it the fucking big Yeah, I was getting so into it. Um which was funny. But I think also for me, you mentioned that George will be a Villa fan, so he won't um, win too many trophies. That was actually probably one of the only, being a Newcastle fan, I'm also in that category. So it's like, mm. it was kind of nice to uh, have a team in a major tournament final for once, if you know what I mean, and kind of <laughs> ride the emotions of yeah. that because it, uh, yeah. yeah, just to say no, I was just saying, <laughs> I kind of know what it feels like now, which is nice. <laughs> that's good mate that's good just need just need to get that shake involved with Newcastle now and maybe you'll feel it a bit more yes um, alright let's we got to talk about Italy because they did win it yeah and, absolutely you know, this isn't an England podcast but um, uh, where do I begin I don't know Kiev. well done I guess <laughs> <laughs> they were the best dressed um, I mean this seems a bit old Bonucci and Chiellini are in their mid 30s I mean, Donnarumma's going to be around for a while. He's 22. Jorginho's, what, late 20s. Berardi's early 30s. I mean, that, Insignia and Immobile are getting on as well. So they're going to have a bit of turnover in their team. So maybe, yeah, you know, their comeback story, what's that, 35 games undefeated now? Mancini hasn't pretty much lost since he's been appointed manager. They didn't obviously make the World Cup in Russia, which is unfathomable to think that three years later they've won a tournament. But... uh. What a turnaround, Pricey. Yeah, I just think um, I think having Italy, the national team, good is good for football, good for world football in general because of the passion they bring, the fashion they bring, the history they bring. Um, you see them singing the national anthem, which is one of the best in the world. It's what a sight that is. Such a big intro for it as well and just the passion that they and the enthusiasm they show with singing it. I just think a lot of countries, like people are, Try to be too, especially in Australia, it's it's kind of people too cool to sing it, and you don't see that as much. And then you see 
Chiellini and Bernucci just ripping the shirts off their teammates next to them, holding them by the neck, just screaming the song. Such a great sight. I think that's one of the unique parts of football and what makes it so distinctive is how global it is and the passion involved. Um, and I just think, I think it was a great performance from them. I think Chiesa is an amazing player. He's only 23. Wow. Um, and he was a bit of a wonder boy, him and Bernadeschi around the same time as I was talking to the Argentos about on the night, like those were seen as the two wonder boys of Italian football coming up, um, both from Fiorentina and then moving on to uh, Juve. Um, and then now Nagelsmann, new coach at, um, at Bayern yeah. Munich. Look, he's like a big fan and might be looking to get him over, which would be interesting. But well, he was class. I thought Jorginho, was, do you reckon Jorginho was lucky to stay on the pitch? Yep. Yeah, yes. that was a shocker, like yep. standing on the quad there. That was straight red. Yeah, that was that was a bad one. I I don't I don't think the I think Chiellini and Benucci were unreal in defense. It was funny seeing Benucci shoot from about thirty five <laughs> yards in that, and you could see all the players' hands go what up. The, yeah, they're just so emotive whenever mm. they're playing. If they don't get past the ball, it's not just a thumbs up and next one kind of thing. It's oh, going off their face, which is really interesting. But I just thought they controlled the game quite well. I think England definitely defended resolutely against their wave of attacks. Um, but yeah, I, again, I think just that centre-back pairing and Donnarumma, it's, that's... Colossal. Yeah. Yeah. Red card, He's Alex. player of the tournament. Just yeah, there. and he, he did win player of the tournament as well. And Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo. me. And yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo won the golden boot. So Messi and Ronaldo yeah. have won the golden boots at their respective uh, tournaments still. So they're still the best. Um, Mid thirties, crazy. Uh, was that a red card for Jorginho, Alex? Yeah, he, he went over. He went for the ball, but he, he kind of went over the ball because he missed it, and he's put six studs into Jack Grealish's quad. Um, for me, his reaction. I was surprised that there was there was little involvement from VAR in the game. Mm. Even I mean, what... the goal, even the goal for. Um, Benucci, the first flick con, there appeared to be possibly a handball involved, but we didn't really see much of it. Whether yeah, they I don't, yeah. it, even the tackle, they just seemed to be little involvement um, from VAR throughout the whole game. I'm not saying they had to use it, but it just seemed that there was a couple of times when you'd think, ah, maybe it will come up on the screen that VAR has checked it. Well, they just didn't seem to be that. So I felt a bit in limbo as to whether they or not they'd made the right call. Mm. But seeing what's his name, I'm seeing uh, Jorginho's reaction by going, shit, I've got to roll around yeah. here and act like it was a 50-50 and I got hurt too and I'm the victim because yeah, he knew yeah. he did something wrong. I think yeah. that was very telling because you see that quite a lot where it's, oh, crap, I've done something bad. I'm going to stay down, get treatment. Hopefully the ref goes, oh, nah. So it was interesting. Seeing his reaction made me feel like this guy's guilty here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just want to note, so who were the Italian penalty takers? Bellotti and Locatelli both took pens, I'm pretty sure. They both, I'm just looking at the difference in substitution times. Roberto Mancini made a double change in the 54th minute, one in the 86th, one in the 91st and one in the 96th and then one in the 118th. So he used all six subs available to him because he had an extra sub in extra time and he had five in regulation time. But he used all um, all of them. 
at an earlier time to, you know, get his players into the game game and to maybe be warm for the shootout. So maybe that's experience. Who knows? Who knows? But it's, um, yeah, no, Italy were the best team in the tournament, weren't they, Alex, do you think? It's like we talked about with England not setting the world alight. I think going into Qatar, I think it's a different kettle of fish for all clubs, more teams, yep. different teams, different bigger playing styles. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to jump the gun with England. Um, <laughs> with regards to Italy being the best team, obviously they won the tournament. So, yes, they are the best team. Whether they played the nicest football, probably not. I think they were the most consistent though, over the course of the tournament and like looked the most likely from the start. From the group games, at least, I think we sort of talked about that on this pod. Yeah, yeah, you could say. Yeah, mm. I mean, it was thoroughly deserved. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you would have said the same about England if they if they'd won it. True. Um, Spain could have beat them in the semis. Yeah. Is um, just one of those. On the day, they were the better team than both. <laughs> So, yeah, it felt different to the World Cup with France winning it, didn't it? Like with France, it was like they were clearly playing the best football. They're clearly the most talented team. They won the World Cup. Like, yep, easy to accept. But I feel like with England and Italy, it could have gone. Look, either team probably deserves to win this, especially when it goes to a penalty shootout. Spain having lost the semi-final this year, like they could have won it. They played great football as well. I think it was as. I think that's what made this tournament exciting. It wasn't like a. Yes, 100% clear-cut favourite, easy, done. And I think that's what was so intriguing about this tournament. There was like three or four to five teams where you're like, they could all win it. Yep, agreed. Now, so I guess attention turns now to the World Cup, which is next November, because it's in Qatar, for those that maybe don't know, which is a whole other thing. I don't know what's going to happen with the seasons <laughs> next season. But anyway, that's happening. Um all right, boys, that's uh, pretty much it. Also, side note, Argentina won the Copa America, so Leo Messi got his uh, coveted trophy with Argentina and was voted best player and top goal scorer in the tournament, so still the best. Um, <laughs> anyway, fellas, that's that's the European Championships done. Congratulations. Well done, boys. I feel <laughs> Premier League starts soon. Get your fantasy team sorted. Premier League starts in one month. One month, boys, the 13th of August, Friday night. England. So it's a Saturday morning Aussie time and Korean time. But, um, yeah, one month. But anyway, that's, um, that's pretty much it for the, the Euros pod, I believe. We, um, us three will maybe have a discussion about what's going to come next. But, boys, that was uh, – God, it's fun, isn't it? That was great, Stewie. Can't thank you enough for all your production and hard work, mate, and getting us getting us organised for doing this. I had a great time. It was great to get back in the tournament footy. Absolutely. Granty? Yes, thank you, Stuart. I'm Bryce also. Your expert opinion. Um, Thanks for turning up sometimes, Alex. It's been good. Thanks for replying to all messages. Thanks for, you know, doing all that. Busy schedule, you know. It's the life I live, mate. Um, As an athlete. It is, You're it right, is, man. you know. You've got to work around me. I'm not working around you. Just remember that. 
especially <laughs> after doing time in prison as well. Like it, things are tough, you know. Like there's a lot going on. <laughs> oh, that's it. Nah, nah, you're right. It's okay, mate. Well, you're you're gonna be out of quarantine and back home with the fam soon. I am yes. hanging out for that. Yeah, can't wait. Bloody ripper. So what's next for the uh, Asian Champions League, Granty? You guys got some really good results. So it was great to see you starting games and being back out there. It was unreal. We, we, I was telling Stu before, we managed to get through the group. So we're in the round of 16. Awesome. And we've got a game in September. Yeah. Which will, more, I think, most likely be against... Um, is it Stereza or Saka or whatever they're called? Teresa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to say it because it doesn't seem Japanese that... The yeah. first part of the name, yeah. But Osaka, yeah, sick. Osaka or whatever they called. Um, yeah, Tag's team, Adam Taggart's team. So. Oh, nice one. I, w- I ended up wishing him happy birthday, but he never got back to me. So there you are, mostly it too when I play him. Okay, and yeah, then ask him to come on the podcast him, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get him on the pod. Okay. <laughs> Shane Lowry's still coming, for those that are wondering. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere. Lost in the ether, Shane Lowry. <laughs> uh, all right that's it boys any final comments or is that have we said it thanks everybody that listens um yeah and we'll chat to you again some other time see ya here comes alan shearer it's shearer for you go away he brought that down was-